Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, you're all captains in our book. No matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders and... We're also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you could also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. And now, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. All right, welcome to Against All Odds. Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Sal here with the CEO of this podcast, Tate Frazier. What's happening, Tate? Good to be back, Sal. Good to see you. I know. It's good to see you. I wish you were under better circumstances because I lost last week. I had a nice streak going. I had like six in a row, and then I lost with those freaking Cavs in game one under 101 and a half. It, it wasn't close. That's the good news. It wasn't wasn't ever really close. I had a, a few minutes of of daylight, but LeBron killed me. Yeah. S- scored like half their points. But you're like Jordan, you know, you got the six and that was enough. You know? Is that right? Fat and happy. You don't want to get the seven. That's too much pressure. All right, good. Fat and happy. I like that. Like Harry. <laughs> Harry get off the snide. Now he's, you know. Harry's back. The uh, rest of the degenerate trifecta went one and two, but Harry won. He's uh, That was his first uh, win. We'll have them on in a second. We have a big show today. Uh, big week for gambling. Also, uh, two states other than Nevada will be legal by Friday. Delaware. Today, people are placing bets in Delaware. It's beautiful. And New Jersey, uh, I think Friday, will have everything legalized. It feels like it's 1776 all over again. <laughs> We're just welcoming states into our union now, yeah. Tate. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Keith Hernandez is going to be on. He wrote a book. It's called I'm Keith Hernandez. You know who Keith Hernandez is, Tate? Yeah, I do. Who is he? He's a baseball player. <laughs> this drives me crazy. <laughs> do you remember him from Seinfeld at all? Yeah, that, that's probably like the most fame I have from oh. him, honestly. You, you know? know what Seinfeld is? Yeah, I heard of you it. You do? Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. All right, he's coming on. <laughs> we're going to talk about his book. It was pretty good. Read it cover to cover. But before Keith, we're going to go over fake props, real props, best bets with my wizards of wagering, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds. The Degenerate Trifecta, Harry, Brother Bry, and Darren, the Parlay Kid. What's up, guys? What's going on, Sal? Hey, Sal, what's up? What's going on, buddy? It's a big week. Brother Bry, you pointed this out. This could be the last of the big betting weekends for a while. Uh, game four, Friday, NBA Finals. Maybe game six, NHL. We have the Belmont Stakes. We have golf leading up to the Open. I think it's the St. Jude or something. Uh uh, who is it? Dustin Johnson's in it, and uh, Nicholson. Harry. What is it, Harry? Harry, Saint Jude, Saint Jude FedEx Saint Jude. Okay, UFC two twenty five. You got Crawford Horn boxing. You have French Open finals. So much going on, and uh, like I said, you guys went one and two. But brother Brian Parley Kid, you're you're killing it with softball. Let's mention this for a, a minute. I'm struggling to <laughs> keep my head above water, and you guys are betting. You have uh, like these twenty year old women with uh, glandular issues, they're sticking their bat out and getting three-run home runs, <laughs> and you guys are cashing in hundreds at a time. Good job. <laughs> As I told you, uh, you know, this women's softball tournament, 
Uh, I'm putting it in. It's in my top five of uh, college sports. It's fantastic. Wow. It's, it's a, just for us, at least, it's just a week long yeah. of, uh, like you're saying, like a fast-paced uh, women playing uh, softball. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so you were a great softball player at one time. You should appreciate this. I couldn't hit the fast stuff, that's for sure. They're, they're whipping it in there. I don't know how they're throwing 120, 130 pitches at a time, but you guys are uh, – capitalizing off that. I think, Brother Bry, you like Florida State the rest of the way? It's just one more game, uh, right? I don't know. I think I kind of like Washington tonight. Really? I think I like Florida State uh, game three. But mm. I've been winning like crazy on Florida State. I've kind of backed them in the last four games, which is yeah, which said- I don't know if it's luck or whatever. I mean, I, I, like the, uh, I like the pitcher. I like their lineup. I don't know. It's, it's pretty embarrassing. They're, I mean, Darren's I wife. Yeah, Darren's wife gets so mad. This is as mad as she gets is him watching softball all day. Really? Like she doesn't get mad at anything else, but him watching softball bothers her like <laughs> it's crazy. As close as he comes to cheating, she really hates yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, she can't believe it. She thinks I'm attracted to these uh, softball players. Now, <laughs> some of them are attractive, though. I have to say they I, are. But I, think I mean, you are. If we I'm go not back, watching it for that, I'm watching it to make money. Uh, so. I don't know. You calling them out by name? You know them by their first name, Ginger and, and Sissy, and <laughs> there's a lot going on in these text exchanges. Uh, let's let's switch to NBA before we lose all of our uh, listeners here. Game three, Wednesday night, Golden State minus four and a half. The total is two seventeen. Minus four and a half on the road, and for the series. You're out of luck if you like Golden State in this series. They're minus 2,500. Uh, what's the take back? 12 to 1 on Cleveland, I believe. The one thing I'll say, though, uh, I have Golden State to win. I bet that a f- couple weeks ago when they were minus 180. Um, Tate has them, too, in five. We'll, we'll talk about that. We all kind of have them one way or another. Golden State in seven right now. If you like Cleveland to win a couple games, keep this close. Golden State in seven is 15 to 1. Not bad, Tate, right? Not bad at all. Because no. you, you feel like if it goes back to six, they'll win in Cleveland. So right. if it, they don't do it in five, they'll do it in seven. Well, let me ask you. You have your bet. You, you I gave you some free money. You doubled up on it. Now you have Golden State in five. It's two nothing. Mm-hmm. What do you what you're sitting pretty right now, you think, huh? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. You do. I, I feel like there's no way they get swept. Do you want Cleveland to win game three or game four? I want it to be game three. Game three. It's just you, like I wanted to play out exactly like it did last year. You need to be two games to one, and then Golden State wins. And then, the next and then Cleveland day. gets their hopes up in game four. It feels like they have a real chance, and then they unfortunately, you know, fall. And then interesting. Yeah. All right. So now game two, uh, that it was over. Everything was over. That, this is what's great about gambling. Everything <laughs> was over. The spread was locked in. Everything. Golden State had it. But me and brother Brian, the parlay kid, we still had a lot. We have our bet. Brother Brian, what is it? Twenty that one game will be decided by at least twenty-two points. Was that it in the series? Yeah, one. De- yeah, well, it has to be. Um, it has to be decided by more than twenty-two, right? It was twenty-two oh. and a half for this bet. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so even worse. Yeah. So we needed twenty-three, and uh, it got up as high as I think twenty-five that game, and it was battling back and forth between Pachulia and Calderon. Yeah. And, uh, I would say Nick Young, though, and Cook really cost us that over, though. They missed uh, some wide-open threes there. We were, uh, we were going back and forth on the exchanges. And then Calderon's hitting runners from 15 feet. It was That it was, was silly. And we're the only ones caring about this, too. Yeah, I think we were up 23 with the ball with like a minute nine left. Like, this is nice. And, yeah, Nick, why enough with the threes? You have enough threes going. Although we do have, we have all sorts of stuff. We have Golden State to average over 12 threes. We're just there, right? Uh, Parley Kid, I don't know what that is. I think... Oh, we have fourteen. I forgot to look that up, but uh, we're not we're not lighting yes, that uh, one. Yes, so did I. But I believe um, 
I think it was 13 in game one. Yeah. And was it 14 or 15 in game two, Sal? Which well, Curry hit nine, so I, I, yeah, I think it was 15. Yeah, so, I mean, that put you at 28 for uh, two games. So 15 in game two. If you're going to yep. say it's going to go about three more games, I mean, if you're going to average All right. probably as long as you're hitting that 12 number, we're okay. But even if it goes below for a game or two, like, you know, to 10 or 11, right. we might still pull that out. Right. right. And we had the other thing we have is Curry for MVP. We we most we took it to plus one sixty, yeah. plus one seventy, minus four hundred right now. Feeling good about that, Harry. You wouldn't take anyone else at this point, would you? I wouldn't take. I you know I wouldn't take anyone else. He's, he was amazing last game, and I would have jumped on some of this stuff with you, but in between uh, what an average of maybe a hundred, a hundred and fifty texts of softball every day between uh, <laughs> Parlay Kid and Brother Bra, I couldn't, I can't keep up, so I just, I, I backed out. Don't blame it on them. You're in love, and you, you're not even, you're not even looking at these texts, Harry. We, we, you, you, you check in about nine hours right. after these texts. We'll get something at midnight from you. That's about, true. That is true. That yeah, is so true. About like Djokovic yeah, or something. Like, from Florida, State, like, Florida State, Florida State. Florida State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're still. Oh, you're right. Well, listen. You're they right. spread these really NBA reading. games out. There's one every five games, every five days. What What are we supposed to do? But Curry at minus four hundred is good. Uh, Brother Bry, Parley Kid, we have a friend. It's uh, just a huge Curry fan, so it makes us kind of root against Curry a little bit. Um, and then when he's throwing, uh, he's throwing. We, we have Curry MVP, and we also have him over. All oh, right, assist. six assists for the series. Too. Yeah. And he's and he's crushing both of those, but but when he's putting up threes from the Chipotle around the corner from the stadium and making them, it's just like, uh, what 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 are you going to do? There's no stopping. It. Just LeBron just must feel dead at that point. But uh, all right, feel we're feeling okay about our NBA bets. Tate, you're feeling good. Feeling good. Thirty-one points per game, eight point five assists per game for Curry. That that's MVP numbers. Yeah. We'll see what happens in Cleveland though. Sal, could I ask you a question? What do you think? You think there's a bet for our plus our one of the teams to win by 23 or more. You think it's more likely to have the Warriors to blow them out in games three or four, or the Cavs to blow them out? In I games think. Three or four? Well, I think uh, the odds would su- suggest that it's the Warriors because they're going to be favored in both games, right? So uh, if they're favored right, in both right, games, yeah, definitely. But like last year, there was that one huge blowout because I'm, I'm staring at the Cavs 33 to one, and it'll probably be 33 to one for both three and four. So I, I don't know. 33 I mean, to one for uh, for oh for look, the Cavs to win by 22 to, plus to win by yeah to win by 22 or more. It's 33 to one for right. game. Interesting. Three. Wow. Well, that that's kind of worth it. it. I don't know. I guess they would sit guys in the fourth quarter, unless we had it, then everyone would play, unless we bet it. But um, yeah, I could, I, 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 I could say if you if you yeah, Sal, if you remember in game uh, last year after game three, it was three nothing Golden State, mm-hmm. and Cleveland put up that record forty nine points in the fourth quarter in game four when they were down three mm-hmm. zero and put up eighty three in the first half, I think, and uh, and they rolled. That could be the game, maybe again. Right, they've been so similar from last year's finals to this year's finals. We so should far. we should say Ky- Kyrie had forty points in that game too. Oh, Harry, and he's no longer on the team. <laughs> don't don't tell Harry that. Don't don't ruin the surprise for him. <laughs> Harry Kyrie is in the first quarter though. That's true. No. <laughs> true. Uh, all right, listen, we'll go back to NBA. I have a feeling we're going to involve uh, a lot of what we're just talking about in our best bets. Though that comes up in a few minutes. Let's switch gears to NHL. The Golden Knights, the Las Vegas Knights, the magical team, down three games to one in game five. Tonight, by the time you listen to this, Knights are minus 130. 
Caps are plus 110. Caps for the series are minus 700. Las Vegas plus 475. You can get that ticket. Get that ticket for Las Vegas to win it all, plus 475. It's not 100 to 1, but you'll be part of the magic. You'll be able to tell your grandkids. I don't think it's going to happen, but plus 475. Now, let me just say this. I had another terrible beat yesterday in hockey. I just need football to come back. <laughs> terrible, terrible beat. I had... I had I had the first team to score wins parlayed with um, under seven and a half total goals, which was an adjusted number. It's obviously not the over under. It's four nothing with fourteen minutes left. Vegas scores makes it four one, and I text all you guys. I'm like, if Vegas scores two, they're gonna lose nine to two. And of course, I I was exaggerating. I knew exactly the score they would lose, and it would be six to two. But four two with seven and a half left, and then Oshi starts beating the shit out of everyone. And uh, and that point, the, the, the knights, the knights start retaliating. And the crazy thing about this, I lose, I lose the game six to two, so I lose. But I didn't, I didn't get screwed by an empty netter. But I, I got screwed by was like uh, Caps were five right. on, five on three for the last four minutes or so, and so I lose six to two. <laughs> what am I going to do about this parlay, kid? That's that, that's a really bad loss that we could all see coming, right? Oh, man. So you called it right away. When it became 4-1, I think you texted us. You said, hang on, boys. It's, it's going to happen yeah. or something like that. Go in. Yeah. Sure enough, we're sitting there. And, you know, and you know Harry's laughing at this whole thing, right, Sal? As you're, as you're losing, Harry's, be, you know, he's chuckling away, loving, loving uh, this happening to you. And, Not um, true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, we saw it, Sal. But, Sal, you know what? It seems like... You know the Caps, uh, Knights. What a, what a hard. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in the way this series is now going. I yeah. think. Um, but I'm going to come back later with one of my best bets with with hockey. All so right. I don't want to give anything away right now. You know, I touched on it earlier, so I don't know why I looked to par- Well, I know why I looked to parlay, but the 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 bet that I love is the first team to score to win. That's minus two twenty five. It's won three out of four now in the Stanley Cup. And it's yeah. uh, and and it won like seventeen out of twenty before that. You just don't want to lay two twenty five. But boy, that is a gem, brother. Brian, you like something? It's not as good. But what is it? First first goal, first goal scored occurs in the first. Yeah, 10 we minutes. talked about it. Uh, I think we talked about it like two weeks ago. But I've been following this first goal and the uh, a goal scored in the first ten minutes. So basically, in this finals, it's gone three and one. I've been betting it like every other game. So I've I've been hitting it sporadically, but if you continue to play it, it's been hitting like crazy. 3-1 and one in the finals. Uh, the one game it didn't hit, there was a goal that was disallowed like five minutes in, so had mm-hmm. a chance of going 4-0. Uh, actually, the last game it hit with six seconds left, which would have been nerve-wracking. I didn't have it last game, but that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the Knights-Jets, that went 4-1 and one with it, and then the Caps-Lightning went 5-2. and two. So 4-1, 5-2, and two, and 3-1 and one now. So a right. total of... Uh, a total of twelve and four. It's gone in the conference finals and the finals. So something to keep wow. an eye. It's it's so. Ex- I will say it's one of the most exciting bets I've actually ever done. First goal, you know, yeah. yeah. You, well, you know, well, usually you're usually not that excited for the first first right. period of hockey, but, but mm-hmm. at the same thing though, Sal. At the same thing with that though, mm-hmm. like you're saying, it does seem like in this year's hockey playoffs, the team that scores first seems to be winning. Yeah. So are these games almost being decided within the first 10 minutes of each game? Is yeah, that what's right. happening here yeah. in hockey? We've never seen this before. Uh, last year was the total opposite. You, you would literally live bet teams down two goals. Yes, that was our thing. And see them come back to win. 
And now it's the total opposite. The teams are uh, winning these games in the first 10 minutes of the game. It needs to be a little more competitive. Harry, does Vegas have it in them to make a comeback? There are stats suggesting that they will. Uh, you know what? Don't count them out yet. Look, three times, three times this year, Vegas has lost three games in a row during the regular season. And they won the next game every single time. Uh, I wouldn't suggest to get greedy, though, if you like the Golden Knights. Just bet them to win. Uh, don't lay the one-and-a-half goals because in, th- in those three wins, they won each game by one goal. So I wouldn't lay the one-and-a-half even though it's plus 200. I would say Vegas wins this game and then roll the dice back in Washington. But you know what? If Vegas can somehow, somehow win this series, I know I brought it up to you guys earlier, this might be the greatest championship win for any team in the history of sports. Whoa. That, would be, that would be beyond amazing. Listen hey, to let's, you. Let's look at that. Let's talk about that for a second. I don't know. But let's just say. Let's you, just say. You have obviously, you have obviously not been following uh, the Florida State women's softball team because <laughs> you, you you would have amended that big big statement. Uh, All right. Blowing well, off those texts, you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, this this would be a very big win, and uh, yes, well, they're plus four seventy five. So you're right. This would be the most gigantic thing of all time if they uh, came back and won. No, I think I I don't even know what I'm rooting for anymore. I'm still stung by the uh, under seven and a half goals yesterday. But anyway, let's move on to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week. The Degenerate Trifecta and I set sail tackling fake gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week's make-believe prop in a game to 11, two-on-two, Ben Simmons and Kendall Jenner plus one-and-a-half versus Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian. Who wins this? Harry, go ahead. You have some thoughts on this. Who are you taking? Yeah, give me Simmons and Jenner all day. (laughs) Wow. Slam dunk. Kendall is in, looks like she's in great shape. Meanwhile, <laughs> Chloe still has some baby fat uh, oh my God. that she hasn't lost yet. Thompson has no jump shot. Meanwhile, Simmons can shoot, pass, and rebound. What? I'll take the uh, I'll take the plus one and a half points. And heck, I'd even like a money line on this. This seems too easy. Give wow, me, uh, Harry, you're the first person day. in history to say Ben Simmons can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tay, wait, Tay, wait! I don't think I've ever seen. You can shoot better than Thompson, no? I could. I don't know. I don't think I've seen Tate laugh this hard. Tate has not laughed this hard in my Uh. presence. That's for sure. (laughs) Tate, so you would say uh, Uh. you say this is easy, Tristan and Chloe? No, I, I I agree. I agree with Simmons and uh, and Kendall Jenner. I just love. I like the rationale behind it, Harry. Well, what do you say? What What's your rationale? (laughs) I I I just like that they could. uh, I feel like they're younger. They're more spry. Uh They 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 have more to fight for. You know, as far as credibility, they're trying to still prove themselves. You know, Chloe's already done it all, so she's already passed her. You know, and Tristan's already won a championship. (laughs) a lot more to earn on one side. Parlay kid, I might maybe I'm on the wrong side of everyone here. What do you think? No, so I I, I agree with Harry. Oh, and wow. his assessment. I broke this down into three parts, Sal. First, I was looking at the height. I'm thinking, is there a height advantage here? Well, the girls are both measuring out here at 5'10", <laughs> and believe it or not, Simmons is measuring at 6'10" compared to Thompson at 6'9". So, height right there goes to Simmons and Kendall. Hmm. Uh, second, skill. Well, this is interesting, the skill part, right? Like you're saying, Ben Simmons is certainly more skilled than Tristan Thompson. I'm not saying he's a great shooter. And Simmons is kind of like Harry. You know, Simmons is a lefty slash righty, not really good at either one at times. Uh, but I just think he's uh, definitely, they're definitely more skilled. Unless Thompson and Chloe are just going to use like really a post-up game in this 
type of uh, matchup, which they could. You know, Chloe backing the sister down in the paint. That could happen. But then third south comes down to teamwork, right? Mm. Kendall and Simmons, they're in their honeymoon stage. Mm. They're in love, mm. right, Harry? You know what I'm talking about. No, exactly this is what, what you're going through right now. Everything is perfect. <laughs> their teamwork, they're going to pick and roll Chloe and Tristan all day. Chloe and Tristan are going to have a problem communicating with each other. This is easy. This is like 11-2, to two, Simmons and Kendall. All right. Brother Brian, this is already ridiculous, but can you take it to another level? Who are you taking? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm just wondering why I'm getting a point and a half for Simmons and Jenner, wow. Captain Morgan. Why, why the point and a half? They should be favored. They should be favored. Uh, I, but, you know, uh, yeah, the only way Tristan and Chloe are winning this is if Chloe has some – fantastic post-up game, which I'm, I'm doubting. I mean, Kendall, at least, her, one of her parents is Caitlyn Jenner, so she has to be athletic, mm-hmm. right, to some, to some That's degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you play two-on-two, you definitely need a ball handler, and I, I don't see how Tristan or Chloe are scoring. So Ben and Kendall, easy. Wow, all right. Well, I'm going to use your guys' logic against you. I think Ben and Kendall are so in love right now that they can't take their eyes off each other and are going to miss the pick and roll. They're not going to be able to figure out anything. I think, first of all, I think Chloe could cover Ben. I really do. I, I can't believe they're the same height. She's got some. She's got some bulk. She'll she'll bang around in there, and that leaves Tristan will all day over Kendall. I like this eleven three. The only way I think Tristan and Chloe lose is uh, if Tristan's uh, distracted by a cheerleader or something, and that breaks up the chemistry. But I like eleven three. Tristan and Chloe. Uh, minus one and a half over Ben and Kendall. I'm alone in this, Tate. Mm, mm. How about that? All right, that's another week <laughs> of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Yes, that was Make Believe. That's not really <laughs> happening. No matter how you live like a captain, <laughs> Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. By the way, I think it was two weeks ago, we had a fake prop. Draymond Green minus a half a technical in the finals over Las Vegas Knights wins. Boy, this is close, guys. It doesn't get closer than one-to-one. Um Paul like kid, I think you liked uh, Vegas Knights at the time. You still you still like the Knights? Mm. Yeah, I think uh I think the Knights are gonna win the next game, but that might be it and Yeah. I don't know, Green's probably good for uh at least another technical here, so South. That that's gonna be close. that's gonna be right down to the wire. That can go either way. Brother Bryant, I didn't see a number for it, but if you could bet a Draymond technical in game three, might not be not might not be stupid. Mm. Ooh, that's not bad. I like. I, somebody should put those odds out there. I would say that's probably like. What would you get? Like plus one seventy-five for a technical. Yeah, I yeah like somewhere that, the plus one fifty. I think they had something like that the other day. But um, all right, we'll check they, it. They out. They did. I mean, they had with somebody get a well. Oh, for the series the playoffs. They right. had with somebody get a flagrant, or would somebody get suspended? Right. That's what although that would have been exciting. Imagine you had somebody get suspended, and then Thompson or Love didn't get suspended. Mm-hmm. How pissed off would you for, have for been coming on, on the court? Yeah, interesting. All right, let's get right to it. <laughs> Best bets. I think a lot of them are going to involve the uh, NBA right here. We're going to start start with you, Brother Bry. You're on the line. Who did you lose with? Oh, you went with me last week. That was dumb. Uh, under- yeah, I went with you, and I thought, <laughs> it's funny, you were saying earlier that you thought, like, I mean, it seemed like we there was no way in hell we were winning last week. And then there was, like, two little pockets in there. It was like, oh, my God, we actually might win. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, LeBron was just ridiculous. And then Corver and Green at stupid three. He looked unguardable, right? So he he one, looked unguardable but, in game one, yeah. didn't he? Oh, it was like one. Of, it was the best game I've ever seen anybody yeah. have in the finals. Yeah, I mean, pretty um, good. But I'm gonna go. I'm going back to the NBA team down 0-2 first half bet and taking the Cavs plus a half a point wow. in Game Three. 
Wow. So I did this with the Pelicans a few weeks ago against the Warriors, and that hit easily. Usually this is a pretty reliable bet based on, you know, we talked about this a few times throughout uh, the playoffs, and usually it's pretty reliable. This year it's actually only four and four. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, I mean, do you see what LeBron looks like after these games? He seems just so angry. I'd be, it's hard for me to think they're not going to come out here and fight in game three and play at least really well in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know if they're going to win the game, but I expect them to have a big first half. Plus, again, the Warriors really tend to play down in the first half, especially against. I mean, you notice in the Rocket series, they were for the first half line, they were either one and three or zero oh and four, depending on what site you were getting it on. So right. they were they struggled in that series on the road. So I'd expect something similar. In Game Three, I I think uh, I love the Cavs plus a half this game. But yeah, this is not the kind of game I don't think that the Cavs will be down eleven in the, in the early in the third quarter and come back and win. Right? They have to come out like gangbusters and and hold on or yeah, not hold yeah. on. But boy, is Vegas really screwing with this trend? Plus one, plus a half for the first half, but plus four and a half for the game <clears throat> overall. My God, they that's a nice I, wide margin. I know, and there. they're uh, they're also like minus. They're minus a half for the first quarter, too. So they're mm-hmm. minus, which is crazy. Yeah, that's right. All right, Harry, what do you like for your best bet? Harry was our lone winner last week. You had Houston, uh, what was it? You had the first quarter. What the hell was it? No, I had oh. a Warriors-Cavs game one. Yeah, what over, am I talking about? Over 55. Over 55. And it landed 59. Mm-hmm. So I finally got off the schneid of a four-game uh, good. best bet losing streak. And this week I'm going to say, why change when you have a good thing going on? I'm going to go with the Warriors-Cavs in Game 3 over 56 at minus 115 in the first quarter. Um, not only have the first two games of the series gone over in the first quarter, but if you date back to last year's finals, the first quarter total has gone over seven straight games. Hmm. Like I said, 59 and 60 points this year, and last year 65, 74, 71 83 and 70 for the first quarter totals of last year's finals. So once again, over 56 in the first quarter of Game Three is my best bet of the week. Wow, Tate, do you notice the uh, the change in Harry's voice? Very, very confident yes. since he won. Yes, Harry, <laughs> it's, it's Trumpian in his yeah. prediction. He's on a one week run. Yeah. All right. All right. We like it, Harry. All right, Parley kid. He's going basketball or. Or it's softball, or there's so many options this week. Oh gosh, Sal. Well, listen, I'm 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 not going to go that way. And you know, I lost last week, Sal. And again, oh, you had a you had an MMA an MMA guy who got knocked out uh, before before Sal, the bell. I think. talk about you know, yes. it was un Sal. I win. My, I get lucky with the Warriors the first leg of the parlay game one. Yeah. Then I had this guy Gregor Gillespie, who I know through the wrestling circles, mm-hmm. uh, an easy victory. Uh, and he, this guy's an up and comer too. And then I had the, my third leg, which I knew would be the toughest part of it with this guy, Rivera. Uh, and so he comes out, bell rings, gets kicked in the head, the fight's over. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That literally was it. That literally was it. And yeah. um, I, what can I say? What can I say? But, Sal, you gotta bounce back. But this is how damn stubborn I am. Yeah. Because I have won some UFC stuff off the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime I pick a fighter on the show, he seems to lose. But I'm going to be going back with UFC this weekend, with hockey, with NHL. So I'm really going with the two things uh, Really, uh, I'm just so damn stubborn about, right? Because, so I'm going to take the Capitals to win in six games. This is plus 180. I really feel like the Vegas Knights are winning game five. Um, Like even Harry and I were talking before, 
Vegas, they rang some off the post yesterday. Yep. They could have been out to a lead. A little unlucky yesterday. I just think that place is going to be jumping. Vegas, I think they're, they're going to really give it everything they got, but that's all they're going to have. And I think this series is going to come to an end in Game 6 back in Washington. That place was buzzing last night. I've always complimented the, uh, the Nashville Predators for having mm-hmm. such a terrific crowd. That crowd was fantastic last night. Uh, I, I cannot see the Caps. And let's say, Ovechkin, what a, he's so fun to watch. I'm not sure if anybody plays harder than this guy no. on a nightly basis. He is, he's just phenomenal to watch. Because even when he's not scoring, he's, just, he's all over the ice. And I think this is their year. And so, you know what? You know the Caps have screwed me every year. Do you know I look back through my notes? Last June 13th, you asked me what I like for next year. Yeah. I, on the show, I said, Caps, Warriors, Parley. I take it every year. But did I take it this year? I did not take it this no. year. And look what's happening. <laughs> so I have to go with the Caps. They're plus 180. And we're going to add UFC. We're taking Whitaker over Romero at minus 230. Okay, the last time we saw this fight, Romero dominated the first two rounds, especially round two. He was completely exhausted after that. Whitaker then dominated the rest of the fight. I'm expecting the same thing to happen, and maybe even with the stoppage this time. Romero, to me, is just not built for five rounds. He's really he's short, he's stout, he's muscular. Those guys tend to wear down after a round or two. If Whitaker can even steal one of the first three rounds, he's easily winning rounds four and five. So we're going to parlay those two uh, to win. Uh, caps in six games to win at plus 180. Whitaker... Minus 230, it's a plus 300 parlay, Sal. All right, 3-1 like odds. It. I do like it. I do like that. And I'll tell you what, I think Ovechkin this is a weird thing to say because I'm watching both of them play at once or a day apart, but he he's most like Steph Curry. He, like, creates his opportunities, you know, and because he's like he is the way you say. Uh, he's all over the place. It's like, oh, how did he end up there? How's he, how's he shaking off all these yes, defenders exactly. all of a sudden? It's really weird. But, uh, all right, Caps in six. Very stubborn parlay kid has a Caps in six. And Whitaker over <laughs> Romero, it's three to one odds. Does that leave just me? Am I the only one? All right, I guess I have to start a, yeah, a whole right. new streak. Listen, this is not a, a secret. LeBron James uh, plays well in these games. How well? I think he's going he's gonna to be lights out in game three. Over 37.5 points. Get on it early because this thing changes a lot. It goes back and forth. I think it's minus 120 right now. We're minus 125. But he's going to have a way over 37.5. Five of his nine home games this year in the playoffs, he's gone 44 or over. And listen to this. This is the zigzag approach. Every other game, he catches fire. Since game two in Boston, 42, 27, 44, 26, 46, 35, 51, 29, and, and tonight. That's what the end is. Last eight playoff games, he's zigzagged. Uh, either the zag has been 42 or more. And listen, it's an elimination game. LeBron knows it. The refs know it. Over 37 and a half. That's my best bet for this week. All right. I think that's it, guys. We're going to talk to Keith Hernandez in a second. Give me your uh, Twitter handle, Parley Kit. That's at the Chalk Talker, and I can no longer say the fire go up snow, Sal. It is, it is happening. Oh, yeah, it shit. is official. I meant to, I meant to I've mention that. I've done it again. You did it. The Chalk Talker has done it again, Sal. Has, uh, I've done it again. There's a, there's a job opening now. It should be you, Chalk Talker. You could do this, can't you? I would take over that. Pl- I would, <laughs> Sal. Forget it. 
Well, there's already a guy in place, Lou Lamorella, but I'd work under him, Sal. You I know definitely what? would. Why would you do that when you could just uh, besmirch his good name and, and get him out of there? Get Lou Lamorella out of there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Gart Snow fired because of the Parlay Kids rantings. All right? Brother Bry, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm at the Brother Bry. At the Brother Bry, and he's going to sort out this uh, softball thing for us. Look for him. Uh, look for a pick from yeah. him on Twitter. Uh, yeah, maybe there's maybe there'll be a game three tomorrow. I'm I'm guessing there's going to be a game three tomorrow. There you go. And Harry, <laughs> I'm at A A O Harry. And if people are wondering, uh, me and my girl had a wonderful time in L.A. over the weekend. Saw, spent time with you, Sal. Your mom been sending me messages how wonderful she is. Uh, what do you think? Uh. <laughs> Boy, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> no, no, she was great. She's awesome. She's really yeah. good. I'll tell you what, our friend, our Thanks, friend. Brother. No, it was great. Our friend Ken though did warn me. He said her her hair is very red, and uh, I should know that ahead of time. He, he said I, I would be uh, startled. <laughs> but um, I, I think I, I was I was glad he warned me. But she's great, great girl, and perfect yeah. for you. And you got to see these guys snuggling up in the corner, kissing when no mm. one's looking. It really. Uh, uh. It's really disgusting. No, <laughs> no Darren, it's great. Darren misses Harry. those days. Harry, what's the oh, over? Man, what do that's we, fantastic. <laughs> what do we put the over under? Uh, I'm going to say uh, neither of you is Jewish, but I'm going to say the third day of Hanukkah is the over under before you get engaged. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> he's he's he already know. he's already oh, mapped no. it out. He doesn't know what month. I got to really is. think about that. He's like, is that know. February? All right, all right. He doesn't want a timeline. <laughs> She's a good gal, Harry. I like her. I like her a lot. I, I wish you guys the best. It's going to be fun. Thanks for everything. All right. Great. All right. And uh, Tate, where can people listen to you? I was going to ask if her name was Wendy from Wendy's. Uh, I'm at Tate <laughs> Frazier, uh, One Shining Podcast, GM Street with Mike Lombardi. All those are happening every single week. Uh, yeah. Except for GM Street's every other week, I should say. So that's a lie. But uh, yeah, at Tate Frazier. There you go. All right. Guys, hang on. Keith Hernandez coming right up after my bookie. All right, before we get to Keith, do you think you know who's going to win the game tonight? Lay down some money and get in on the action at the safest online sportsbook in the world. MyBookie.ag offers all kinds of different wagers on Major League Baseball as well as every type of sport and league in the world. And when you win, you get lightning fast payouts. And you can even create your own player prop wagers using their prop machine. So go check them out now. Use promo code SAL, S-A-L, and you'll get up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. If you want to experience Las Vegas-style sportsbook gambling, mybookie.ag is the only place to check out. They have casino games like blackjack, roulette, and slots. Not to mention, you can play all of their games on your cell phone, iPad, or tablet computer. You play, you win, you get paid. Visit Las Vegas from your couch. Try it out today. Go to mybookie.ag and sign up with the promo code SAL to ensure you're eligible for all their future promotions and bonuses. Once again, that's mybookie.ag. Use promo code SAL. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. On the phone right now, what a treat for me. Not as much for him, probably, but he's one of my all-time favorites. A guy, let me get this right, he batted 307 times in his career, an 11-time Gold Glove Award winner, Former MVP, played on two World Series championship teams, including my miracle New York Mets, the team he currently provides color commentary for on SNY. And now, and now, added to everything, he's an author. He has another book out, 
This one is called I'm Keith Hernandez. I knew he was Keith Hernandez, but I had to read it just to make sure. Keith, thanks for coming on Against All Odds. Oh, my pleasure, Sal. My pleasure. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, Keith. I'm, a, I'm an 86 Mets junkie, and so when I saw your book chronicled the earlier years of your career, I was a little bummed. But then I read the book, and it was truly fantastic. Nice job with this. Well, thanks. We, uh, we kind of figured that um, we wanted to, to, to – everybody kind of knew the finished product, you know, when I came to New York, and no one knew my journey there that got me there. And so uh, the book kind of is not in chronological order. I like the way it bounces around, has a little bit of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but basically it's about my formative years um, as a child uh, growing up. And uh, uh, my father and my brother uh, and little league and then minor leagues uh, where I struggled couple years and then uh, my struggle in the big leagues until i made it that's where the book ends basically in uh 1980 uh the end of april right yeah you do a nice job of jumping around like and you even you even go to like your studio like doing uh at commentary for sny and then you're you're a little kid but yeah you're right most of it uh has to do with you breaking into the minors and then the big leagues and I want to talk about the book and then quickly about the 2018 Mets. And I'll try to get through that part without vomiting. But first of all, please tell me, please tell me you had help recounting some of these statistics and in, in-game situations because your recall for the past is incredible. Well, I tell you what, I, it took, this book took a little over two years. Yeah. And there's a wonderful website called BaseballReference.com. And you can go back to anywhere you want, 27 Yankees, and you can go through the 27th season and look at every box score wow. and uh, what the players did. And I don't know going back that far if it has a detailed uh, play-by-play how how the outs and, or, were, or, and base hits came about in chronological order. But from my career, which began in 74, when I got called up in August, I went over every season that I played, every box score uh, in chronological order. Wow. And I found that my memory was not correct in a lot of things, that I had the wrong dates, I had the wrong year, or I had the wrong ballpark, the wrong team. I was, I was home instead of away. And also I read the chronological order of play-by-play, and everything just kind of came back to me. And I had great recall. Uh, it was very important that we were correct in, uh, on it, anything that we wrote in the book. And then uh, we, my, the, my, Mike Ponce, my writer, worked with me, uh, did a lot of research. I mean, it's just we're in this world now with, with the computers, and mm-hmm. you can just go back and get newspaper articles back in back in my day in St. Louis with the Globe Democrat, and we're able to read stories. Uh, and I target we targeted specific areas that were I knew were important in my development, and uh, able to read the newspaper stories. And it was just it was amazing. It was it was just a, a very very uh, yeah. like a cathartic experience, uh, and it just brought back everything. Just percolated to the top. Yeah, they, I mean, they say like you have to read ten books to write one, and you really, yeah, you had really had to dive in deep to it. But I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I mean, you talk about 
there's nothing baseball reference could have told you about facing John Montefusco on a one, two pitch 45 Junes ago. Like you, I think you still nailed it with a lot of these uh, in-game situations. Well, my recall on at bats is pretty good. And I think most athletes are that way. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of old guys that are contemporaries and they remember specific at bats, a lot of them over their career. Right. Um, so that was the easy part, but it was, I had to be in the right place. So if I'm recalling a, on that one-two count off Montefusco, and I'm pretty sure it's in 1977, <laughs> for example. Right. Uh, you know, we only play the Giants 12 times uh-huh. uh, that season. You know, two two home and two away. You can go right to those dates and find it, and right. then you know you can correlate it with the, how the game and it, and it all comes back to you. It, it, it's uh, it was just such a great tool. It's pretty amazing. Now, you talked about your dad, and he's a, he's a big part of this book throughout. He was a former pro baseball player. He raised you and your brother. Your brother's name is Gary, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, your brother Gary. Uh, he kind of yep. raised you to be ball players. And you say in the book you, say in the book you hated the word pressure. Uh, if you read the book, you see your dad put a ton of pressure on you. Like In terms of intensity, I think he was somewhere between Andre Agassi's dad and Tanya Harding's mother. But it worked out for you. Well, he was certainly a stage father. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he had a really good, promising minor league career that got halted uh, by he got hit in the head. And so, uh, I believe his first year, uh, with, he was signed originally by the Brooklyn Dodgers before the World War II. And there was no helmets back in those uh, days, so his eyes progressively got worse. And he lost four years in the service yeah. uh, at Pearl Harbor. He served in the Navy during World War II. Um, and he didn't make it. He was done playing in 48, so 48, 49. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had the time being a San Francisco fireman for 30 years where they worked 24 hours and off 48 to really be home those two days and be a coach and, you know, instruct Gary and I how to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, he realized, and it's in the book, that Gary didn't have it and that I had a chance to be something special. And he comes to this realization, which is quite incredible, when I'm 11 years old in Little League. And um, he drove me hard. He wasn't going to let me uh, blow it. I was more, my brother was more even-keeled and uh, and temperate, and I was always compulsive, impulsive, and uh, reactionary. And uh, he just kept a tight rein on me, and he drove me hard. He wanted me to, he wasn't going to let me blow it. So he, he felt I had something special. There's issues and problems that come with that, but I had a very grew up in a very loving family mm-hmm. where my mom and dad did everything for Gary and I. And, um, you know, as I got older and away from his control, that's when the issues developed where he couldn't let go and we had a lot of problems. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, like, do you think if it would have been just a little less tough on you, you think you would have been as good? Like, do you ever think about percentage wise if he would have? Uh, held back a little because I see your brother Gary was tough on you also, but a calming influence and he would show up on, you know, kind of pivotal points in your career and kind of maybe would give you a kickstart that, uh, that you needed uh, throughout the book was he, he prevent, yeah, presented like a nice happy medium. I thought. Well, he was the mediator. He was the one caught in the middle mm-hmm. and uh, being the older brother. And, um, you know, he played minor league ball too for three years, got as high as double a, in the Cardinal organization, uh, he was my biggest fan, and it's pretty apparent in the book. He's a very important part of my life. He's yep. a terrific brother, and uh, 
totally unselfish, uh, not jealous of my success. He reveled in it and um, loved to watch me play. He was my good luck charm. He was my talisman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very close to this day. And, you know, if he had made it and I had not made it, I don't know how I would have reacted because it was something that I I really wanted in my career. It's just, I wanted to be a major league player, and I and I didn't want to be just an average major league player. I wanted to be a star. And I had that dream uh, when I was seven years old. And I was very fortunate to uh, have fulfilled it. Uh, you know, uh, I was very lucky. Not everybody yeah. can can uh, be successful in it, no matter how hard you try. Uh, but, you know, the book is all about my ups and downs and my struggles, and uh, Gary's a big part of that. My father's a big part of that. There are people in the baseball world that were in the Cardinal organization that were there, Ken Boyer, Bob Kennedy, mm-hmm. a senior, uh, that were there at critical moments in my career that, that was could have gone either way, and they were the right people at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And now I want to talk about some specific things you mentioned in the book about growing and that time when, you know, you're really toughing it out. Driving 1,200 miles for a double A game. Is it possible that this isn't or wasn't now the the best way to determine who is major league ready? I don't know how you get around it because, you know, you're not going to have the double A team private jetting off, you know, to El Paso, but. It really seems like, um, you know, how you survived the bus is as much a part of uh, <laughs> your success as the mechanics in the batter's box. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of paying your dues. The Texas League was a brutal travel league. Texas is a big old state. and Plus, we our division, we had two teams in, in Louisiana and one team in Tennessee, and, and we were in Little Rock. And... Uh, all the teams were in West Texas, Amarillo, Midland, Odessa, yeah. San Antonio, and uh, El Paso. Um, though there was a terrible bus league. I swore I'd never go back to that league. I'd quit <laughs> if I had to go back to Double A. Right. Uh, but it's very much, you know, one of my favorite baseball movies. Number one, my number one is The Natural, mm-hmm. but my number two is Bull Durham because that movie really captured uh, minor league ball. I thought it just was really well done right. and um it basically was like my texas league year all the bus the bus rides and um all the little things around it uh, it really captured the minor leagues but that was a tough league i, I mean it just brutal the travel oh i can imagine i'm thinking about it as i'm reading it i don't know how you endured it but i was 19 years old then one year i was one year out of high school so I was okay with it. <laughs> it was to just treat it as just a big school trip, I guess. Yeah. Um, some of the players, though, uh, Reggie Smith, Bob Gibson, I think you were being diplomatic, but let's just say they were not as welcoming as you maybe would have hoped. Now, I get the hazing part of with the rookies, but not including like teammates having drinks at a bar. Doesn't it kind of interfere with team chemistry? Doesn't it go against what the whole thing is all about? Well, things were different back then. Uh, there was it was like West Point when you were a rookie coming up. Uh, you were like a plebe, right. and you just kept your mouth shut and stayed out of the way of people. And St. Louis uh, was an organization and a team that was a, full of veterans. I was 20 years old when I got called up, and um, uh, they were all pretty much in their 30s uh, and uh, early 30s. 
uh, and uh, established players. And it was just different then. You were thrown in the water. You either sink or swim. You got survival. Right. You didn't get a lot of help, although I did get help from you know, Lou Brock. It's very powerful in my book. Sure. Uh, uh, Ted Sizemore, uh, it was wonderful to me. Al Herbosky was great to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't everybody, but you were pretty much left to your own devices. And today's game, it's different. You know, no one gets on anybody. Everybody pats everybody on the back, gives them, gives them comfort. There was no comfort for a rookie breaking in. When I when I when I broke in in '74, so it did make it difficult. Yeah, I didn't feel like I fit in. Of course, I I joined the team in late August. You know, uh, that was my big league debut, and uh, you know, I was there for five weeks, six weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, the remainder of the season, the last six weeks. So I just, you know, it didn't really a gel and i was you know i felt like everybody was my my uncle for crying out loud i was right. just this young kid <laughs> now, two and a half years out of high school i'm in the big leagues facing tom siever i mean that's a little daunting bizarre yeah when when do you think that changed though that dynamic like uh, as far when when did players become more welcoming the hazing wasn't as big a thing with rookies uh, did you you know were you kicking greg jeffries out of a a card game and and you know in 87 or anything like that or did it go past that? No, I swore. Uh, no, Gibson was was the bad cop, and it was old school. And I know where Bob was coming from now, looking at it from a different angle, a different perspective of mm-hmm. my looking back. Um, and Bob was tougher. They told me that he would lead the guys that just were mediocre players that didn't have much of a future. He didn't. He didn't bother them. It was the ones that he thought he saw that had potential to be stars. And he—that's the ones he got on hardest. Right. And um, you know, I, there is no, re- absolutely no resentment on my part about this. And it's just, when did it change? Well, I must be one of them. I swore that whenever, uh, if I became a veteran, I wouldn't be that way to rookies, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always welcoming to rookies, but so was Lou Brock to me. Right. So I just took the Lou Brock way. I know how much how much Lou meant for me when I was really struggling and Lou was in the process of smashing all of you know, Ty Cobb's single season and in career stolen base records because those those records that have been held for since the 20s mm-hmm. and at the height of his career and prowess and he was taking the time to kind of be, you know be my uh, my my uh, foster brother or whatever right. you want a foster parent mm-hmm. uh, so I, like I call him my second dad uh-huh but it was also tough, lo- tough love with Lou. If Lou saw me pouting, he got on me. There's one specific story in the book where I was pouting, and he came down and chewed me out. I saw that. Uh, yeah. But uh, and I deserved it. So it wasn't all just just pat me on the back. You know, here's your particip- uh, your participation award. Uh, you know, it was tough love. But um, I swore I would be like Lou. I would be helpful. So uh, when I came over to the Mets. And uh, first spring training in 84, I was the 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. And they had all the young talent on the team. Within 10 days, I saw, uh, I knew that the team had just a boatload of talent. Right. And I kind of, it was my turn to be what Lou was. And uh, I just really relished it. Yeah. By the way, that it's a, like kind of different situations in that maybe you should have stepped on some necks back then because they were, uh, I mean, obviously world champs in 86, but they were uh, a free spirit team. Some of those younger players that maybe <laughs> should have been uh, 
reprimanded a little bit, but uh, I, I wonder. <laughs> well, that's not my job. Yeah, that's right. the job of the manager. Exactly. So I'm I'm a player. One. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, it was a great group. Yeah. Absolutely. I like, uh, it's a little weird bringing this up, but you wrote about it early on. You came down with a, a case of the clap. I think it was in little rock, yeah. right? Yeah. And then only uh, one time in my life, I got it. That was it. Right. And then a little penicillin. And then you went on to hit three thirty three with a nine nineteen OPS. Do you, do you recommend the clap to uh younger players? I mean, that, those are pretty good stats. I would not recommend the clap <laughs> for anybody. Um, okay. those shot, those two shots, they hurt. Yeah. And uh, it's not a good feeling, and um, you kind of feel like you're uh, you've been infected, and uh, you just feel kind of stained and tarnished. I I, I wouldn't recommend any uh, social disease to anybody. Right? <laughs> yeah, those those shots serve as a pretty good deterrent, I would say. Um, I want to say this: uh, my cousin Jimmy Kimmel and I used to argue a lot. This and this is the only argument I think I ever won against him. You were a great fielding first baseman. I think uh, it's not even really disputed that you were the best. And you grabbed the torch from Steve Garvey, who was my cousin Jimmy's favorite of all time. Um, what, mm-hmm. what I wanted to say to you is, you know, there was you, and then a little later there was, you know, there was Garvey. There was before you. There was Gar- you, and then Mark Race after that. I feel like you don't see it anymore at first base. Like middle infielders, since Ozzie Smith, there's been a, a, a million great ones. Omar Vizcal, you can name him. Uh, Evan Longoria, Altuve these days. Every night I'll see a spectacular play in the outfield I feel like I've never seen before. First base, though, I don't feel like anybody lays it out as much as you. What do you think about that? Um, well, first base has always been a, an offensive position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never understood why they would put someone over there just for his bat. I mean, if you look at as the game progresses, no one no one has more activity in a game uh, than, a, than a catcher. But number two is, is a first baseman. Mm-hmm. He has more chances to prevent runs from scoring and more sure. chances to make plays. Uh, so it's important to have a good defensive first baseman. Uh, there, there's actually, a, you know, Cody Bellinger's. He's a very good first baseman. He's a little awkward, but he's very, very sure-handed. And I like the way he. I like his glove. Um, the guy down in um, Arizona's got a nice glove. I yeah. can't think of his name Gold, right now. Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt. Uh, I think he's one of the. Yeah. yeah, Paul Goldschmidt's got mm-hmm. a nice glove. Uh, Rizzo with the Cubs has mm-hmm. a very nice glove. Uh, for, uh, Freddie Freeman is very awkward and doesn't look like he's not smooth, but he's got a good glove. But mm-hmm. the premier first baseman, I have the best first baseman that I've seen in a long, long time. And I always put into not only catching balls, but smoothness and aggressiveness is Eric Hosmer in San Diego. Oh, yeah. He is a f- He is solid. He is A1 right now. I love to watch him play first base. He's very aggressive on bunts. He's smooth around the bag, and he's got good hands. Uh, he He's the best. Yeah, he is pretty good. I think he's won the last couple of years a Gold Glove Award. Yeah, but I, I still still don't feel like guys lay it out as much as you, but that's I, I understand what you have to be diplomatic. Um, you talk about uh, the important statistics, and, and the statistics in baseball could just go on forever, as you know, when you research this, this book. But OBS, uh, on-base percentage was big. I would think, 
how many billions of dollars would have you have made if uh, runs prevented was a, a more prominent stat defensively? You touched on it earlier. Well, defense is hard to uh, categorize, and but they're getting better at it. Um, I have no interest to go delve into the analytics about you know. Uh, I know Brian. Brian Kenny over at MLB, he loves me, and we've talked, and he talks about my run saved. I don't know the formula. Formula, I really don't care, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll take it. Okay, fine. If, if I save that many runs, great. Uh, uh, but still, I don't think as far as you know, when you go into contract negotiations, I don't. There's not enough emphasis on defense no. at all. Unfortunately, on offense, and that's where it's taken us in the game now. And, with all the, the proliferation of home runs, although they're down this year, which I love. Right. Uh, but you know the strikeouts. There's a lot of a lot of changes that I don't like. They want guys hitting more home runs. The strikeouts are way up. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, there's three most boring things that can happen in the game: are a home run, mm-hmm. a walk, and a strikeout. <laughs> and we seem to have a lot of that. What would you do? What I, you know, I, I looked at you. You talked about games not being, you know, trying to shorten games, and it's just a, it's all a ploy. What the measures they've taken are not going to shorten any of these games. And I feel bad for you because you live near Sag Harbor and you're driving from Flushing. You need to get the hell out of there. Oh please, <laughs> people, a lot of people out there that drive further than me, even further than uh, that, and wow. they, they only. Uh, I'm sure, and they don't get six months off a year, right. so I cannot complain. No. I'm a very lucky man. I was just trying to figure it out, though. How I, I don't know how you make it go faster. It still takes as much time as it takes for the catchers to change their gear and take it on and off, and the the, the pitchers need warm ups between innings. But yeah, like yeah, you can enforce that thirty seconds, but they're not going to do that, right? It's it's just going to be weird. Well. The biggest culprit is 3-2 counts. you got a lot of 0-2 counts. The pitchers are just throwers. Mm-hmm. They want the hard thrower who's not refined with his secondary pitches. They're not interested in soft tossers that know how to pitch and get people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just see so many endless counts go from 0-2 to 3-2. Right. And that gets the pitch count up. And, of course, pitch counts are very important today, and then that gets into bullpens then. And you got managers that make multiple changes in an inning, uh, and you got relievers that come in, and, and, and most of the bullpens aren't very good. Right. you got eight, eight guys in the bullpen. You can't knock on, you're not going to have eight solid guys. You're going to have some stinkers out there. And the, that adds to the length of the game. And, anyway, MLB knows. They've done their cost-benefit analysis. They know how far they can, the length of the games can be, and it's all about concessions and selling merchandise in the ballpark. All the stadiums are not made are made today like a county fair. You don't go to the ballpark to watch a game today. You know the game is the game is the hook to get right. you in to go spend your money and you know I see so many empty seats and people are you walk around. People are in the bars or in the restaurants. Uh, and they got the TVs everywhere. I mean, why don't you just stay at home? Yeah. Right. Why why go to watch a live game? Uh, yeah. It's just so, you know, that's it's where it's at now, and it's dollar driven. I understand it, but you know, when I went to a ball game, gosh, I I was watching Willie Mays, I was watching Hank Aaron, yeah, of course, you know, Tommy Davis, Juan Marichal, Koufax. 
I was there. I was glued to my seat. I was just so happy to watch those guys. But we're in a different time now, and uh, people don't have the the short attention span. And um, yeah, that's the big. You know, thing. they I had mean, to put up screens. Right. They had to put up screens down the foul lines because people are texting and they're they're, they're in danger of getting hit by a foul ball. Yeah. Or if they're paying attention, they're recording the game on their phone, which they might as well just be looking down and texting. Like they're yeah, it's it, it's bad. That the Nets, I guess, were necessary. But yeah, you touched on that. Like I think these kids with the short attention span who could play a game, a, a baseball game on their phone, a fun game. My my son plays tap baseball, and he can get a game done in like eight minutes. Now, obviously, the major league is not going to, MLB is not going to compete with that, but. Uh, concessions and everything aside, I think they need to figure something out for the younger fans to keep their attention since they're so used to the fast-paced uh, sports world now. I think that they need uh, more uh, lineups like Atlanta. Atlanta has a very exciting lineup. The Braves have uh, the top of the order. They have Albies. They have uh, uh, NCR Day. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, Acuna, who's hurt right now. you got Marquecas. And, and Freddie Freeman at the bottom of that, but the top three guys in that lineup can fly. Yeah. And I think the game is not as fast as it used to be. Uh, not a, not as many speedsters right. in the game today as there was when I played. And more stolen bases that create havoc. More hitting and running, which is, which is exciting to me. And uh, the ballparks are a little smaller. It's harder for the runners to score on a double from first base, right. go first to third. Those are the exciting part of the game. And I think it's starting to come back a little bit. I and mean, it's really fun. I would, to, We wouldn't have that series down in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I would pay to watch the Brave team because they're, it's an exciting club. They are uh, fun. And they got, they got speed. They've got a base hit to right field, first to third. You know, it's first and third. Yeah. Not one base at a time waiting for the big three-run home run. Yeah, well, your Cardinals team typified that. I mean, that was that was that was a fun yeah, team. Yeah, yes, we did. That was the way to do it. Uh, let Let's just get to it. What's What's going on with our Mets here, Keith? Uh, Twelve and two on April fifteenth. They've lost like nine out of their last eleven. Right now, I think your cat Haji should be in the lineup against lefties. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what we have to do to get it together to overtake the the Phillies. Maybe are going away. The Braves, like you said, young and exciting. And the Nationals, who haven't even gotten hot yet. Is there a chance? Do we have a chance? Well, we're missing uh, Cespedes in the lineup. Uh, He's one of the more big power hitters. And a guy that the team kind of leans on. And uh, he sets the tempo. And he's been out. They can't keep him on the field. And I think it's affected the uh, the lineup. You got Frazier went down. We're kind of an oldish team. Yeah. Uh, Frazier went on a DL for the first time in his career. He, he should be back tonight, I think, mm-hmm. um, and uh, against the Orioles. Um, and I think what happens is that without Cespedes in the lineup, then you've got Conforto and you've got Bruce that are trying too hard, and uh, it's a, it, it, it affects the rest of the lineup without having him there. So I don't know when he's going to be back, but he's obviously a key key part of our club. Um, our bullpen is just worn out. I mean, our starters can't, outside of the Grom, yeah. our starters can't go five, six innings. Mm-hmm. And our bullpen is getting worn out. Yeah. We got three guys up from the minor leagues, and uh, it's like a tryout. I mean, the arms have just been buried. I mean, Seawall has just been overworked. 
and it's because the starters aren't going deep. Right. You know, so the only guy who's going deep, only got four wins, was DeGrom was one of the best pitchers in the game. Syndergaard hasn't been on top of his game. He hasn't pitched well. He's pitched okay, uh, but he's 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 supposed to be a, an upper tier pitcher. Right. He he struggled this year so far with that. He has only been able to go six innings, and then the other guys have struggled. Although Matt's is starting to pitch better, and so is um, a Wheeler, but mm-hmm. uh, they got to continue that. But if you continually have starters going five six innings, your bullpen's going to get worn out, and our bullpen right now is in such disarray, uh, and. And the fact that coupled with the fact that we're not hitting, and which I think everybody is pressing, it's missing the Cespedes in that lineup. Yeah. You know, it spells disaster. Yeah. And they've since that twelve and two, they haven't played well. Yeah, and you, we went fourteen innings the other day and lost seven to one. I was like, you know what? That sounds right because this bullpen is so <laughs> so decimated. Yeah, of course we're going to give up sixteen uh, six runs in the in the fourteenth and. Uh, it's going to be a mess. Do you feel like that's the last thing? Yeah, that's the last thing they needed was a fourteen uh, inning game. My gosh, that poor bull, that poor bullpen racking up the innings. Do you feel? I felt bad for Callaway. Although I will say, um, if a manager bats a lineup out of order, I almost think he should be dismissed immediately, and not even a personal thing. Just like, <sighs> hey, here's the contract you signed. You can't uh, ever bat out of order. You can't. Uh, we can't find out you did anything weird with Mister Met, and don't show up with a, a disguise in the dugout if you've been thrown out. Like those are our nothing personal. We have to let you go if you do any one of these three things. But uh, yeah, that drove me crazy. But does it does it bother you that, that do you feel like going to a like a Michael Conforto and, and saying giving him a little something like step up in the box on the plate or like you, you, there's so many helpful hints you had in this book, whether you, you thought of them yourself or they were passed on to you. How, how does it make you feel being so close to the action? Well, I'm, I'm in the booth and um, I'm not really asked a lot by any of the players no. about how I hit, what my approach was. Um, and you know they got hitting coaches down there, and they got their turf. I'm not going. I may go down there and tell someone entirely against what they're teaching. Um, so it's a really very delicate, fine line that I have to walk there. And um, you know, unless a player offers and asks, mm-hmm. I'm not going to offer back. Yeah. And the players don't uh, don't ask. Yeah. So. Don't ask. Okay, I won't talk to you about hitting. Go, go have at it. Right, right. It's got to be a little bit frustrating. Uh, one last thing. I'm a, I'm a gambling man. Um, I know yeah. you're, you're not probably, but uh, and you, you follow the National League. So I'm going to ask you. Let's say our Mets. Uh, you, we can't be homers here. Let's say the Mets at 25 to one is not a good, not not a good bet for the National League. Who do you like? Nationals almost four to one. Brewers almost four to one. Cubs five to one. You mentioned the Braves are eight to one, Diamondbacks nine, Dodgers nine, and your Cardinals are somewhere in the mix at like fifteen to one. If you had to pick one team, who's the who's the top one? The Nationals are slightly favored over the Brewers for National League. You know, it's pretty. It's it's a tough one. Um, something's just missing with the Nationals. Mm-hmm. They're missing Murphy. They got a lot of right-handed bats, and Murphy evidently was there's Gary Cohn showed me my colleague showed yeah. me video of um, Murph in rehab playing a game and he's limping around. He had that, uh, that micro fracture in his knee right. and he looks like he's hurting. 
they miss his bat there. Um, for some reason, the Nationals can't get over the hump in postseason. Yeah. Um, they're not a lock to win it. Um, the Dodgers, I'm not high on the Dodgers. Uh, Brewers, okay. I don't think they have the pitching. Mm-hmm. Cubs, I don't know about their pitching. I think the Arietta losing him really hurt them, but they got a good lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a tough call. It really is. Uh, I don't think I'm not high on Philly. Right. Uh, Atlanta. I don't. They got to show me they got the pitching that they can sustain it. Mm-hmm. So for me right now, I think it's up for grabs. Really? I okay. really do. I can't give you. I can't hedge any way, uh, one way or the other. This is. You have to lean towards Washington. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's no. That that's no sure thing. Those odds aren't that great for. Uh, yeah. For, for where they are in the standings right all right maybe our Mets at 25 to 1 isn't, isn't bad after all one more thing Keith and thank you for uh, hanging in for as long as you did Cooperstown sadly you, you never made it in and by the way uh, the way I see it you dominate a decade at a position you should be in the greatest fielding first baseman for over a decade but I need to know and I, I have a feeling this answer is going to hurt me as a Met fan would you have gone in as mm-hmm. a Met or a Cardinal uh, well, I can give you an easy out on that. Uh, one player a long time ago played for around, not a long time ago, but back in my time, a contemporary, mm-hmm. uh, tried to sell his Hall because the players had a choice what team they wanted to play for, uh, right. what team they wanted to represent going in. Mm-hmm. Well, this this player uh, tried to barter his uh off of four teams he played for. I think it was four teams. I'm not sure. No kidding. And MLB found out. MLB <laughs> found out and was upset. So players have no say anymore. The MLB tells you what uniform you'll right? go in. You have no say in it. I yep. didn't know that. Oh, yep. That is an easy. Yep. That's so, too easy and out for you, Keith. I really wanted an answer here. <laughs> it is too easy and out. <laughs> it would be a very difficult choice for if I had to make it. I'm glad I don't have to make it. Yeah, I, I've got fond feelings for both organizations. I just, I you know, I came up a Cardinal and all those memories, and and then I came over to the Mets, who were the 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 bums of the National League, right. and we just had such a great run. And another world championship. I mean, it's just, it would be such a tough choice. And I read the book with this in mind the whole time. And I'm like, and then I saw, oh, your dad was picked up as a last nice gesture by the Cardinals. I was like, I wonder if this would be the determining factor. Damn it. I I hope it isn't. But it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because uh, they made the mistake of passing on you. And also, like you just said, the, the league decides for you. Interesting. Um, But anyway, Keith, thanks for coming on. Uh, The book is called. Okay. The book is called I'm Keith Hernandez. Pick it up. It's an excellent read. Uh, and, Keith, let's let's sweep those miserable Yankees. Grab a bat if you have to, will you? Oh, I, <laughs> I can't swing anymore. But I'll, I'll I, if I can, I, I'll do my best. All right. That? All right, good. Get on that field. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay, Sal. My pleasure. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Shoot us an email. Cousin Sal against all odds at gmail.com. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC and catch our NBA game night special before or after game three, depending on where you live. That's that for Keith Hernandez and the degenerate trifecta. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na,